Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. Welcome back to the Understanding Body Matters Podcast. So for today's episode, we have a very special guest all the way from the UK. Her name is Kate Hudson-Hall. And now Kate has been a psychotherapist for over 20 years, specifically for eating disorders, but does um, train and teach in a lot of different other areas. Kate has also talked about her bulimia herself that she struggled with all the way as a teen for about 15 years, and which inspired her to write a book called Bulimia Sucks. So she hopes to use this book as a platform and a resource for people to understand what tools and techniques are available, which is why we thought we'd get her on this podcast for today, where we can speak on all things to do with bulimia, what tools can help and assist in the recovery of bulimia, and why someone might develop bulimia. So if you'd like to hear more, please stay tuned, and we hope you enjoy. So hi, Kate. Welcome to the Understanding Body Matters podcast. Why don't you begin and introduce yourself, what it is you do, and a little background information on who you are. Okay, great. Well, thank you for having me on the show. So my name is Kate Hudson-Hall, and I had bulimia for 15 years when I was younger. Um, And I had it, um, I was uh, very engulfed in binge eating and purging. And because it was quite a long time ago, there wasn't much help out there at the time. There weren't many books, there wasn't the internet, so it was a long time ago. Um, and so that was a real struggle for my family because they didn't have access to any information about what was going on for me. And of course I didn't either. Um, and that was really difficult because I didn't understand what, what on earth was going on for me. I just was in this behavior and I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. And I did think I was just going mad because I, it was just a cycle and it was just increasing and increasing. Um, and then I eventually um, decided that my mother was right after all these years that I need to get some help. So she kind of dragged me in a way to see my doctor. Um, and I remember the doctor asking me saying, well, why do you make yourself sick? And I'm like, well, if I knew the answer to that, maybe I wouldn't be doing, you know. Mm. Um, then I went on um, and was diagnosed with bulimia and anorexia. And then um, I started to get help. But in the beginning, I wasn't really very focused. And it was probably maybe two years after that was when I thought, you know what, I'm going to let me have a look and see what I could find out about how, what help I could get. Um, and um, I found a program um, that I could work from home um, and it was all over the telephone and they would post me booklets to complete each week. So it was, uh, it was interesting, but they sent me a diary about the foods, suggesting the foods that I should eat each week. Um, and I remember looking at this diary thinking, wow, is this how people eat? I had no idea whatsoever how to eat, what to eat how much to eat or anything. Um, So I sort of kind of gradually built from there. And then um, maybe a year or two two years after that, I found a therapist 
um, she was a psychotherapist um, and she was fantastic. And I think that's a real key in recovery. You do need to have that extra support and it's finding that right person, that right therapist that you feel completely comfortable with to open up to and to be able to slowly begin to break those chains of your patterns Definitely. and start to change. Anyway, so when I came out the other side, I, I decided, oh gosh, I need to be able to help other people how I'd been helped. Because I've been through various different therapists before I found that one that I was with for four, year, four plus years. Um, and so I thought, I really need to, I need to do something about this. And so because I was the other side of recovery, I was like, okay, I can do this. I, you know, and I, I wasn't completely um, over the eating disorder, but I was almost there. And so I went and trained to be a psychotherapist. And then from then on, I trained in other therapies. And one of them was a, to become an eating disorders therapist. So I've been a therapist for the last 20 plus years now. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And I do lots of other different types of therapies. Um, and then 18 months ago, I decided that I would write a book. But I didn't know what sort of book I wanted to write. Um, so I thought, well, I'll start off with the memoir. And of course, the memoir just kind of morphed into when I had bulimia. And then I was like, oh, I know what the book's got to be about. So it's like 25% my memoir, the rest of it is self-help steps that I teach my clients to be able to break free from their, their negative, difficult behavior patterns. So yes, yeah, so that came out in January. So I'm very excited about that because it's just, you know, I see my clients and, I, and I've learned, obviously learned together so much, um, but it, I wanted to get out to a bigger audience to be able to help more people. So hence why I wrote the book. So, yes, yeah, so that's where I am now and um, completely the other side of bulimia and anorexia. And, you know, there is life after this debilitating, horrific disease. It's yeah. just having those right tools and, and taking those very small steps towards your recovery. Definitely. I think it's going to be amazing for our viewers or audience to hear that obviously recovery is possible. But um, there is obviously, like you said, light at the end of the tunnel. So it's amazing yeah. to see what you've done with your recovery and use that to support others that might be struggling now or struggling to find the tools and techniques to use to get over what they're struggling with yeah, as well. Absolutely. And I know recovery, the word recovery, recovering, recovery, recovered, they mean different things to different people. Mm -hmm. But I now don't ever... There is never a thought of binging or purging. It's completely gone. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, I just, I don't focus on food all the time, which is what you do when you're, you know, mm -hmm. in the depths of your eating disorder. That's all you can think about. Well, it's great that you're able to get to that place as well. So that's amazing to hear. And, yeah. you know, and other people can do it as well. Exactly. Having those right tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the next question, I thought we'd ask every guest that we have on our show, our podcast, a challenge that you have faced recently and how you have overcame that. So it could be anything that you're happy to share. So if you're wanting to provide us with that challenge. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this question. I've been thinking, well, I don't really have any challenges connected to food or eating. Um, 
But one of the biggest challenges is how am I going to write a book? Mm-hmm. And that, and I've been thinking, how would I explain that? And I think in relation to an eating disorder, it's taking that huge, great big puzzle, if you like, jigsaw puzzle, and then taking minute steps to begin to, for people beginning to overcome an eating disorder, is taking those very, very small steps of how they are going to move forward. So with regards to starting to eat again, you know, if they have, say, they limit themselves to like three grapes a day or whatever it is and whatever else they're eating, you know, maybe just change that and have four grapes. Mm -hmm. But with regards to writing my book, it was like, well, I've never written a book, so how do I do it? So it was sort of like taking that huge puzzle and then gradually breaking down that big picture into smaller puzzles and smaller puzzles and then getting each little tiny puzzle piece and thinking, okay, well, I'll do that little tiny section there. And then, okay, I've done that. Right. Okay. I may need to change it, which I probably did on each one. (laughs) And then the next piece and the next piece. So that was a very big challenge. (laughs) Another one is about me making the audio book because I did it myself. It was really important for me to make the audio book myself. Mm. even though I've never narrated a book before in my life, but because I felt, I feel so passionate about that subject. And because of the way I've written the book, I could, you know, it was really important for me to put that emotion into it. But then of course, once you've done it, it's like, well, what do I do with it now? <laughs> How do I do this? So then it was figuring out those steps. So they had quite a lot of big challenges I'd say recently. Mm. <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting. It is very exciting. But, you know, I think people writing a book is so, it's such a, a rewarding Definitely. avenue. So for those who might not be aware or are briefly aware of what bulimia is, I thought it'd be good for you to provide a good deep answer of what is bulimia. Yeah. So bulimia, so it's a serious potential life-threatening eating disorder. So people with bulimia may secretly binge eating large amounts of food with a loss of control over eating and then make themselves sick or another word for it is to purge, trying to get rid of the excess calories, but in a really obviously unhealthy way Um, in order to be able to lose weight, prevent weight gain. With bulimia, um, there are... The, there's, there's different types of bulimia. So we've got the purging bulimia and the non-purging bulimia. So the purging bulimia is sort of like what most people think of with bulimia. So they will eat large amounts of food or binge eat and then make themselves sick in order to be able to free themselves of that food. Excuse me. Or there's the non-purging bulimia which is where people um, will eat normally or eat excess amounts of food. um, And then they will over-exercise or they will take laxatives or diuretics to free themselves of the food, or they might take diet tablets. And so there's a number of different ways that they will try and get rid of the food rather than making themselves sick. They're the kind of the two different types of bulimia. Mm -hmm. But normally people are preoccupied with their weight and how they look and their body shape 
and be very critical about how that, how they look. So I think it's important that, you know, it's not only the binging and purging, there's also this whole other side of people, you know, reaching out for those laxatives, which is very common to be able to rid themselves of the food. You know, even if they just eaten a normal meal, but in order to be able to rid themselves and lose the weight, they, mm -hmm. they'll take laxatives or diuretics or, you know, the diuretics are water tablets. Yeah. And that they don't actually work because they don't actually work with the food. Um, so, <laughs> you know, they may feel like they're slimmer afterwards. So say somebody takes laxatives, they may feel slimmer, but it's the fluids that they've lost. Mm -hmm. It's not actually the food. Even though they may feel a lot lighter and those scales might look a lot healthier to them, um, they haven't actually lost the food that they've eaten. It's just the fluid. And then as soon as they start drinking water again or whatever it may be, they'll be back to where they were. Yeah. So that, that's sort of basically bulimia. So it's overeating or not, you know, people with a binge and purge, they don't, some people, they're of normal weight, which is another sort of really difficult problem is because they're normal, of normal weight and they look like they eat normally um, and then they binge and purge. Uh, then they well they may binge but they will purge they may they may normal look like they're eating normal meals but then they will purge and so these people that maybe have looked normal and of normal weight when they go to tell somebody and this is quite common but and i think it's important for people to hear this when they go eventually to reach out for help sometimes people don't even believe them that they've got bulimia because they look normal and so you know, it is, it's finding that right person that you, that you trust, that you feel comfortable with to start to just open up the door slightly. I think it's definitely to remove that stigma that eating disorders can be visible and you can see that a person has an eating disorder, which in most cases it isn't. They could be, look completely normal to someone on the outside, but it could be a completely different story as well. So I definitely think that's important for people to hear. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's so, um, it's so difficult, I think as well for people to recognize that and understand that a lot of it is to do with how this pattern they've got into this drive that they've got in their head and the feelings that they're having, you know, we have 60,000 different, approximately 60,000 different thoughts that go through our head every day, which is astounding. And a lot of them are unconscious thoughts, but that is how many thoughts we have a day. And for people, particularly with an eating disorder, okay, 95% of those thoughts are going to be negative thoughts, which will be driving their behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really, it's beginning to break that pattern of, well, first of all, awareness is the first step of being aware of how you're thinking and starting to take note of what you're actually saying to yourself that's driving your behavior and having the tools to be able to change that. I guess we've touched on it a bit just through that question, but um, why do people develop bulimia? Yeah, there's low, there's so many different reasons why people develop bulimia. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons could be um, that they've been abused and that seems to be quite a common pattern. Somebody that's been abused may go on to develop an eating disorder, particularly bulimia. And so, yeah, so there's, being abused there's this negative body image that can stem from 
you know, somebody, uh, you know, a young teenager just being told one thing by somebody at school or one of their friends about how they look. And that part of them can just run with that thought um, and believe it. And then they start to focus on that and just constantly worry about how they look and they're, you know, constantly looking in the mirror and giving themselves a very difficult time about how they look and being so critical. And then there's the low self-esteem, feelings of in inadequacy, um, looking for faults in their character, feeling incompetent in some way, also, which is very common, feeling unlovable. So it's looking at all of these different areas. There's also the pressure that's put on us, you know, with, the, with this Western culture about, you know, how we should look. And then, of course, everywhere you look, there's an advert of a beautiful model, even though they are trying to change that, the slim models. But, it, you know, it's that big pressure that's put on us mm. it, unconsciously. You know, sometimes we don't even notice that we're looking at the pictures of somebody, you know, but, but also, of course, with the online online issues with the social media and oh dear um and then maybe if somebody has been bullied many of my clients have had quite often from when they were at school they were bullied and that can contribute to them developing a, an eating disorder um and one of the most common is if they've been on a diet and then they've started into that pattern of trying to become slimmer and then they're depriving themselves of only having a milkshake or a couple of milkshakes a day and then they get so hungry that they end up eating and then they overeat and then they well, how am I going to get rid of you? Mm -hmm. Continuous cycle. Yeah, so that's mm -hmm. really common. Um, and if they've had um, a big change in their life if they've had um, a stressful situation um, or many stressful situations all in a sort of a, a short space of time it could be a death of a loved one it could be um, a relationship problem maybe they've split up with their friend their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever um, maybe they're moving or they're changing jobs and I think that for me when my bulimia started I think that that was that was a key I was abused when I was age seven so I think there was that contribution but another big contribution was that when I was 16 my mother um, I left boarding school my mother got remarried she sold our family home I had to go and live in central London on my own I didn't know anyone so it was <laughs> there was a lot going on there for me <laughs> so that was uh, that was a big contribution and then like I said earlier the perfectionism that is that is uh, that is quite common um, and compulsively um, feelings of low self-worth and that drive you into over exercising or increasing in taking laxatives or diuretics counting calories or the binging and purging and then for other people, um, if somebody in their family has been focused on their weight or if they've had an eating disorder, that's very common. And yeah, so, you know, if a parent or a sibling, then, you know, for many people, they grow up in families where the mother's constantly talking about her weight and worrying about her weight and going on this diet and that diet. And then they learn from, from the families, mm -hmm. you know, whoever it may be. Um, so there's sort of like the main reasons why people develop 
eating disorders, but then everybody's different and there'll be many other reasons why for people, but they're sort of like overall the, the main reasons. So what I want to talk to you on next is mostly to do with what tools and techniques may be available for someone who might be struggling with bulimia as well. Yes. So um, in my book, there's many different techniques that help people overcome bulimia. So I think what's important, so when you begin on that pathway and you think, oh, I, maybe I do need a bit of help, it's really important that you obviously go to your doctor um, and then take it from there, from there, obviously what they say. But you need to find sort of multiple different areas that are going to support you. So it's building up the courage to talk to somebody a family member or a friend and having that support. And then you've got your help from the GP, from the doctor, um, and then also finding yourself a therapist. And there's many different avenues as well that you could use, but um, finding yourself a therapist, I think is a, a great pathway. Well, you do need that support. You need to start to unravel your eating disorder and then completely unraveling it and then piecing it back together so it works positively for you so your life works positively for you um and so um there's depending on how what my clients present there's many different techniques um and obviously talking about going through and talking about all of the different areas of your life and um where you are now and how you're going to take it forward but um there's simple a simple technique and i don't know how widely practiced it is in australia but mindfulness is a fantastic tool to be able to start to um break the patterns of these negative thinking um and i in my book i teach something called urge surfing which is um turning towards that difficult um urge to reach out for those laxatives or to go on that binge that huge urge that you have it's actually rather than trying to push it away which is what most people do it's actually turning towards it and slowly gradually sitting with that urge and um the more that you can do that the more that that will begin to reduce but mindfulness overall um, is just a fantastic tool. It is like because of these thoughts that we have that drive the binge or drive us to um, reach out for you know the diuretics. If you could press the pause button of your mind, even just for a couple of minutes, and give yourself a break, how fantastic would that be? And that is what mindfulness is all about. And so it's learning to pay attention on purpose, non-judgmentally to a specific point, say in your body. And as your mind wanders away, non-judgmentally bringing it back to that focus and your mind will keep running away, will, will keep wandering away. And if it does, that's fantastic because that proves that you're doing mindfulness the right way but it's being aware that it's wandered off and then bringing it back to a specific focus. And that's, that's, that, it's so simple, isn't it? But it's just such a fantastic tool to be able to give yourself a break from all these negative thoughts. Definitely. So it's having something to focus on, but focusing on that one area. And then when your mind wanders away, bringing it back 
to that area that you're focusing on. And so you're not listening to all of the chatter that's going on. You're just focusing on this point. And it's so fantastic. There's so many different ways that you can practice mindfulness, but it's a great tool to be able to start to give yourself a break from the negative thoughts. And another great way to be able to deal with those negative thoughts is with something called thought stopping. In a nutshell, thought stopping is being aware that you're talking negatively with yourself and then shouting. And you don't, you know, you could use this for any, any difficulty that you're having when you're giving yourself a hard time. And shouting stop at that voice and giving yourself this stop command and then telling it to get lost in whatever way you would like to do that. And you'd start off with a timer, first of all, and you'd set yourself, say, two, two minutes that you're sitting with, your, with the thoughts in your head. And then you're going to shout out loud, stop, get lost. And then you would start to do it in your own voice. And then you'd start to do it in a whisper. And then you're going to start to do it inside your head. So then when you're out with people, then you can just, if that voice rears its ugly head, then you can just shout at that voice and uh, in order to be able to stop that voice. And the more that you do the thought stopping, it's called, the more that you do this, the more over time the voice will gradually begin to reduce. But you need to keep working. But it's being aware. Like I said, awareness is the first step, being aware that you're talking negatively to yourself. And that voice doesn't need to be there. It doesn't have to be there. It's just that people don't realize that they have this negative voice, a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when they realize that we all have negative, we all have like voices in our heads, it's like, oh, okay, well, okay. And then you can start to shout at that voice and tell it to stop and get lost. And it's a, such a simple tool, but it's such a powerful tool to be able to begin to break those patterns. No, definitely. I think a lot of those tools and techniques will help. I feel like the mind and the noise in the back of many people's heads, it does become very chaotic and consume most of their day. So yeah. 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 Well, there are all the yeah. questions that we had for today. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to quickly touch on or was it? Well, I, I'd like to say to people that even though you may be right in the depths of bulimia, purging or non-purging, it's important to understand that you can begin to change these patterns because if I can do it, you can do it. I didn't believe I could. And I didn't have the tools that, you know, and the information that there is out there now. By doing your research and figuring out what that first step would be for you, whether it's just thinking about who you could speak to that you know, friend, fam friend or family, that you could begin to tell about your eating disorder. And then take it from them um, and think about, you know, if you were to do that, think about how you're going to tell them. Think about what you're going to say, but also think about how they could help you. Because once you've told them, they will want to help you, but they don't know, they won't know how specifically to help you. Yeah. So it's important that you think about that before and think, okay, well, what would help me is that maybe not to ask me about my feelings. 
let's talk about everything else but my feelings. Or maybe it's, you know, it might help to have somebody sitting there with you while you, you know, eat a small amount of food. So, but it's important that you make that call yourself and you take responsibility, but they could help you to find somebody. What I want to say is that it's important that people hear that you can recover from an eating disorder. You may not feel that right now, but you can do it if I could do it, you can do it. Well, thank you so much for coming on for our podcast. It was amazing to hear everything that you had to share, even your personal recovery journey as well. I think it'll find many people are going to be able to relate to that as well. So I think it's amazing. Um, and for those who haven't read your book yet, um, I'm sure I haven't read it yet, but I'm definitely excited to get my hands on it. It's Bulimia Sucks. Yeah, so yep. it's called Bulimia Sucks and it's yep. out on Amazon. It's been an interesting challenge, an interesting pathway. <laughs> it's exciting though. It's very exciting to say that you've published your own book because not many people are able to say that. So it is exciting news. Yeah. And Maddie, yeah. I look forward to reading your book. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe All one right. day. Yeah. You never know. Well, thank you so much for joining today and we hope to speak with you in another episode later. Yeah, thank you so much, Maddie. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We had an absolute amazing time talking with Kate and really appreciate how personal she was able to get about her own personal recovery journey. So we hope that this inspired many of you to understand what bulimia might be and what tools and techniques might be available that you didn't really specifically know before. I know that there is quite a high demand for treatment in Australia at the moment for eating disorders. So we hope that this is able to assist and help those who might be on a waiting list or struggling to find treatment to understand why they might be feeling a certain way. And we hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We've had some great feedback and reviews of others who have enjoyed this platform. So we can't wait to inspire more and watch this space grow. So we'll see you in two weeks time.